When sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint, it helps to know what their church has taught on several basic topics. For this reason, Mormonism Research Ministry has provided its Crash Course Mormonism. Crash Course Mormonism includes concise articles highlighting what LDS leaders and church manuals have taught on issues that will probably come up in a typical conversation. You can find these informative articles at CrashCourseMormonism.com. That's CrashCourseMormonism.com. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We have begun a series looking at a speech given by a BYU professor by the name of Brad Wilcox, a speech he titled, His Grace is Sufficient. Just to give a very brief recap, and by the way, if you'd like to catch the previous broadcast, you can do that by going to the MRM website, mrm.org, click on that, and that should take you to the links in the archives. Mr. Wilcox talks about a student who came to him uh, who was having some concerns about the concept of grace. One of the things that she said to him, she said, I know that I have to do my part and then Jesus makes up the difference and fills the gap that stands between my part and perfection. But who fills the gap that stands between where I am now and my part? This is what Mr. Wilcox said to her. He said, finally, I said, Jesus doesn't make up the difference. Jesus makes all the difference. Grace is not about filling gaps. It's about filling us. Seeing that she was still confused, I took a piece of paper and drew two dots, one at the top representing God and one at the bottom representing us. I then said, go ahead, draw the line. How much is our part? How much is Christ's part? She went right to the center of the page and began to draw a line. Then considering what we had been speaking about, she went to the bottom of the page and drew a line just above the bottom dot. I said, wrong. She said, I knew it was higher. I should have just drawn it because I knew it. I said, no. The truth is, there is no line. Jesus filled the whole space. He paid our debt in full. He didn't pay it all except for a few coins. He paid it all. It is finished. Now, there's something to observe here. She says, he says, seeing that she was still confused, he takes out this paper and he draws two dots and he tells her, one at the top representing God, one at the bottom representing us. He says to her, go ahead, draw the line. How much is our part? How much is Christ's part? Notice, even afterwards, she still sounds confused. Yes. Okay, she went right to the center of the page and began to draw a line. Then considering what we had been speaking about, she went to the bottom of the page and drew a line just above the dot, which shows she's still not getting it. It's still confusing her. Eric, it's confusing me. Oh, yeah. If I was talking to this guy, if this guy was in my hermeneutics class, he would get a fail on this because already he's starting to give mixed messages here. We're starting to see mixed messages coming out. He sounds good, but when he puts it into practice, he seems to go against what he's trying to accomplish in making this young lady feel better. When he says no, he tells her wrong, okay? 
And she says, I knew it was higher. I just should have drawn it because I knew it. And he says, no, the truth is there is no line. Jesus filled the whole space. He paid our debt in full. He didn't pay it all except for a few coins. He paid it all. It is finished. Maybe this is why so many Christians are getting confused when they're getting this speech given to them by their Mormon friends, and they're reading this. In fact, I have a pastor friend of mine who said, it sounds very Christian, Eric. Well, yeah, if that's all there was to the speech, you would go, okay, I don't have a problem with that. I've actually preached sermons on sure. that. I've talked about what Jesus meant when he said to tell us die. I mean, we know from a Christian perspective exactly what Jesus was referring to, but that's not the way the Mormon leadership takes it. Well, they'll talk about an infinite atonement and things like that, but they would be very clear to also let you know that there's still more that must be done on the individual's behalf if they hope to receive forgiveness. For instance, just go to Gospel Principles, a manual, a very common church manual, and just look at page 111 in the 2009 edition. That's the newest edition. On page 111, it says, The Lord will not forgive us unless our hearts are fully cleansed of all hate, bitterness, and bad feelings against other people. Now, I have to wonder, Eric, about some of the emails that we receive, some of those that we've read on our Fan Mail Friday show, you would think that there's a lot of Mormons out there who write us who obviously are not cleansed from all, at least, bitterness against what we are doing. Can I keep reading in that uh, in that Gospel Principles from 2009? Certainly, yeah. It says we must keep the commandments of God on page 111. This is what it says. To make our repentance complete, we must keep the commandments of the Lord. See D&C 132. We are not fully repentant if we do not pay tithes or keep the Sabbath day holy or obey the word of wisdom. We are not repentant if we do not sustain the authorities of the church and do not love the Lord and our fellow men. If we do not pray and are unkind to others, we are surely not repentant. When we repent, our life changes. It doesn't sound like exactly that it's all finished. No, no, well, not at all. Well, then what do you do with this this uh, uh, speech by James Faust, who was a member of the First Presidency back in November of 2001 in the Ensign Magazine, page 18. This is what it said. Faust said this, Our salvation depends on believing in and accepting the atonement. Such acceptance requires a continual effort to understand it more fully. The atonement advances our mortal course of learning by making it possible for our natures to become perfect. All of us have sinned and need to repent to fully pay our part of the debt. And he has the word our in italics for mm -hmm. emphasis. I, you know, He put that in there. When we sincerely repent, the Savior's magnificent atonement pays the rest of that debt. Well, wait a minute. Brad Wilcox just said he paid it all. He said in his speech our debt was paid in full. He didn't pay it all except for a few coins. He paid it all. It is finished. But that's not what James Faust was saying. Who has more priesthood authority? Well, not only that, that was a general conference address, because that's in the conference edition of the Ensign, November 2001, page 18. It was a general conference address given by a general authority, a member of the First Presidency. You don't get much higher than that. <laughs> I mean, nope. if anybody knows what is required of the Latter-day Saint people, 
it should be the member of the first presidency, not a Brigham Young University professor. Yeah, exactly. It's a general authority versus a professor. And while a professor may be highly esteemed by the student even, he's not in capacity to be able to give authoritatively what is gospel truth. Now, when Wilcox tells her that the debt is paid in full and says it is finished, how does she respond? She goes on. She says, right, like I don't have to do anything. But that's not what he accepts. No, he says, oh, no, I said, you have plenty to do, but it is not to fill that gap. We will all be resurrected. We will all go back to God's presence. What is left to be determined by our obedience is what kind of body we plan on being resurrected with and how comfortable we plan to be in God's presence and how long we plan to stay there. Now, this is very telling because this really exposes the whole reason for why I think a lot of Mormons are trying very hard to be the best they can possibly be. It's not really to give honor and glory to their God. It's for selfish reasons, and he spells it out right here. You have plenty to do. What is left to be determined by our obedience is what kind of body we plan on being resurrected with and how comfortable we plan to be in God's presence and how long we plan to stay there. If that's why a Mormon is doing their good works, the motive is pure selfishness. We need to be careful as Christians that we don't try to convert people on fire insurance. You don't don't want to go to hell, then you ought to become a Christian. That's not a good reason to become a Christian. Certainly that's part of the package, but that's not the motivation for becoming a believer. I would say, too, that if you're a Christian who maybe became a believer looking to Jesus for fire insurance, and you've been a Christian for any amount of time, that certainly should not be your reason now. As you grow in Christ, you should see and, and, and wonder and be in amazement of his beauty and holiness and his graciousness and mercy, and not merely coming to him because, oh, I just want to stay out of hell. I want to stay out of the flames. That would not be good motivation. But I think you can see that he is actually advocating doing good works for your own selfish gain. Yep. He's actually advocating that. Go on with his next statement where he says, Christ asks us to show faith in him. Yeah, Christ asks us to show faith in him, repent, make and keep covenants, receive the Holy Ghost, and endure to the end. By complying, we are not paying the demands of justice, not even the smallest part. Indeed, we are showing appreciation for what Jesus Christ did by using it to live a life like his. Justice requires immediate perfection or a punishment when we fall short. Because Jesus took that punishment, he can offer us the chance for ultimate perfection. And he says, see Matthew 5.48 and 3 Nephi 12.48. And help us reach that goal. He can forgive what justice never could. And he can turn to us now with his own set of requirements. And he quotes 3 Nephi 28.35. Now, I don't understand why he quotes 3 Nephi. That verse is not comforting. It reads in 3 Nephi 28.35, And it would be better for them if they had not been born, for do they suppose that you can get rid of the justice of an offended God who hath been trampled under feet of men, that thereby salvation might come? Yeah, that's, 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 that's kind of uh, morbid. It doesn't sound like it's appropriate for this situation, that she's talking to this young lady who has some sincere questions. But when he talks about repent, make, and keep covenants. We're going back to the very genesis of what caused this poor young lady's troubles. It's the keeping the covenants that they struggle with. And that's what she understood, and that's why she was having such a hard time. 
and wants to get reassured here that she's doing enough. Richard Scott said in a conference in, in the Ensign Magazine, November 2006, page 42, the demands of justice for broken law can be satisfied through mercy earned by your continual repentance and obedience to the laws of God. Such repentance and obedience are absolutely essential for the atonement to work its complete miracle in your life. And that goes right against what he just said, what Wilcox said. Mm -hmm. He says, we are not paying the demands of justice, but according to Richard G. Scott, the Mormon most certainly is, it's earned by your continual repentance and obedience to the laws of God. That's how the demands of justice for broken law can be satisfied, he says. Although he throws in there through mercy, and again, (laughs) you can't earn mercy, folks. I'm going to keep saying this. You cannot earn mercy. So this statement is also nonsensical, but it is one that has been taught by a Mormon apostle in general conference. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the poor Latter-day Saint hearing this? How much this must cause them a lot of anxiety. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. Pastor, could your congregation benefit from a presentation that explains the differences between Mormonism and New Testament Christianity? MRM's Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson would be honored to come to your church. Whether it's a single crash course or a weekend symposium, hundreds of churches have benefited from their fully documented and easy to understand PowerPoint presentations. If you'd like to schedule MRM at your church, simply write us at contact at mrm.org. Again, that's contact at mrm.org. Dot org.